0: Welcome to another episode of Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your personal objectives, financial situation, or needs. So Shani, today we're tackling a big one, and we're talking about sustainable investing, otherwise known as ESG investing, which stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty big one. And there is a lot of confusion out there on what this actually is and how to do it. And part of this confusion stems from the fact that there are lots of terms that are thrown around and a lot of myths that are pervasive with investors.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. In ESG, this is timely, which is nice. We didn't exactly plan it this way, but this is somewhat timely because there's been a lot of news lately around ESG, Mm -hmm. right? So beta shares announced that they have kicked Tesla out of their ESG ETF, so there's a lot of commentary around that. And then BlackRock, and this these both happened last week. And then BlackRock converted their popular IWLD global index ETF to an ESG ETF. And they didn't really tell anyone or <laughs> give anyone a choice of whether they wanted to do that or not. So this is a timely topic, right? Yeah,
1: there's clearly a lot going on.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and this is also something this is something that was suggested, right?
1: By a listener, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's that's good.
1: Okay. So how are we going to tackle this ESG topic, Mark?
0: Okay. So I came up with an idea. Mm-hmm. So have you ever watched the show MythBusters? Because that's <laughs> that's my inspiration for today.
1: Um, I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Um, I've found a, a few better things to watch since then. But yeah, better things. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to know what those are because last night, I think I just asked you how your night was going and you sent me a picture and it was a Futurama on your television mm-hmm. and you were burning a candle. Not like in a seance type of thing, but just you had a candle burning. <laughs> you
1: don't so, know if it was a seance or not. Yeah, I don't. So I'm yeah. not ashamed of that. Future Armor is a great show. Okay,
0: that's fine. But yeah. you know, <laughs> when you say you have better things to do, you're not around sitting around reading James Joyce or anything, no, right? No, I'm not. Okay. But Mythbusters. So I guess, as you know, if you remember your childhood, it was a TV show. They got a couple scientists. And How old
1: were you when you were watching it, Mark?
0: I, I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> not a child.
0: Not a child, <laughs> okay. probably. Um yeah, they've got these two scientists, and one, strangely enough, was wearing a beret. Mm-hmm. And they took a myth, and then they performed experiments to bust the myth. Or in some cases, I guess, you know, say that the myth actually existed. But that's going to be us today.
1: Okay. Am I going to wear the beret today, or are you going to wear the beret today?
0: I mean, who do you think would look better at it? We can do one I, of those I who wore it best. I reckon
1: it would be you, then. You think so? <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I don't know what that says about me. But-
1: okay. Well, what's our first myth?
0: Okay, so the first myth is that ESG or sustainable investing is about removing problem companies that manufacture things like tobacco, guns, and, you know, just assorted bad products, right? (laughs) So, Shawnee, is that a myth?
1: It is a myth. So many people confuse sustainable investing with negative screening. And what you just described is negative screening. And negative screening is definitely something that's used by many investors that would want to invest in line with their values. This was also the first step in an evolution that led to sustainable investing. And it started when religious organizations wanted to remove certain companies from their portfolios.
0: Yeah. So it's important to say here that there is nothing wrong with negative screening. But The perception that investing sustainably and negative screening are the same thing has led to some other myths. And one is a myth that by choosing to invest sustainably, you are sacrificing returns for keeping your portfolio aligned with your values.
1: Yeah, and we'll get to that myth, but let's explore why this is the case. Negative screening is removing companies from an investment universe for a non-financial reason. And the myth is that it can lead to underperformance. The other issue is that different people have different values, so it made sense for religious organization organizations where there's more uniformity in values, but less sense with the general public, where obviously values can and will differ person to person.
0: Okay. And that's right, Shani. And so it's like finding investments. And let me know if I got this right. Okay. So it's like finding investments that align with the values of Gryffindor and (laughs) Ravenclaw. So is that a good Harry Potter reference?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's it's good.
0: (laughs) It's good. Okay. Like the skeptics, all the Harry Potter fans, obviously... Probably do not think so. Yeah,
1: but... we could like go into a one-hour episode on this. but
0: Yeah, why don't we start a second podcast for yeah. that? <laughs> um, The other thing I was thinking we should do is we do sound checks before we start this. Mm-hmm. And we could just record those conversations.
1: They're, I feel like they're pretty good. Because
0: like today was really good. We covered the Westminster Dog Show. <laughs> and Which
1: Mark knows an awful lot about. <laughs> I know. I,
0: I, I knew who won. <laughs> I don't know a lot about it, and who won? Johnny, do you remember
1: a Pekinese?
0: A Pekinese named uh, Wasabi. Wasabi, yeah. exactly. And we also covered laser hair removal, but <laughs> we won't we won't talk about that. Um, all right, so let's tackle that second myth, and that second myth is for if you're investing sustainably, you're sacrificing returns, and this just isn't true. And of course, we have a study on this. And Shani, I you love love studies. studies. You do love yeah. studies. So why don't you uh, why don't you tell us about this study?
1: Okay, so we did some research using our ESG reading group, which is sustainalytics. And we went back ten years to two thousand and nine and created a hypothetical portfolio of global stocks. And these stocks were divided up into three groups based on our ESG scoring methodology that looked at a number of environmental, social and governance factors. So we had the top rated category, a middle category, and lowest rated category, and we looked at monthly returns. For a 10 year period. The top rated category came in at 0.76% monthly return, the middle at 0.78, and the lowest at 0.75% category. So, this study indicates that investing using ESG factors has not hurt returns, and investors are not being forced to make a choice between returns and sustainable investing.
0: Okay, nice, nice job with the study. <laughs> now, time for the third myth. So sustainable investing means investing in companies that are dedicated to delivering positive impacts across one or more issues that impact the world. So this is also false. That is called impact investing. And that also is a thing, but it's not sustainable investing. So impact funds are often focused on specific themes such as low carbon, gender equity, or green bonds, and they're trying to do good and earn returns at the same time. But once again, by minimizing the investment universe, they may sacrifice returns for at least what they perceive as the greater good.
1: So we've done three myths now, which I think is your roundabout way of trying to give us the definition of sustainable investing. So why don't we just jump to that definition?
0: Okay. I want to say that you were not on board with this (laughs) myth-busting theme for the whole time. But anyway, (laughs) you just want to get straight to the facts. I would have
1: been okay with it if you're wearing a beret.
0: Okay. Well, that's disappointing everyone listening to this because now, <laughs> now they know that I'm not. But anyway, I was trying to build some dramatic tension there, Shani. Okay. And you know, I, I know that's a failed attempt, but we're trying to inform and entertain people, right? Mm-hmm. So why don't you give us the definition?
1: Okay. Um, so at Morningstar, we frame sustainable investing as an overarching investment approach that incorporates environmental, social, and corporate governance criteria throughout the investment process.
0: Okay, so your definition is a little bit confusing. Um, so perhaps more confusing than my sort of bewildering- It's a little bit corporate. A little bit corporate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and maybe could confuse people more than my sort of myth-busting, here's what it's not thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty used to describing concepts that you can't grasp.
0: So <laughs> well, thanks for that. Let's
1: try to put this in terms you can understand. So traditionally, investors are trying to look at the risk that companies face and assessing that risk in light of the price they're paying. As investors, we get compensated to take on risk. We just have to make sure that we're com- compensated enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So even an idiot like me apparently <laughs> can understand this, but that is a concept that Shani just went through that we've covered a couple of times. So we talked about it on the bond episode where we said the bigger the chance that the bond issuer defaults, or at least the bigger perception that they may default, the higher the interest rate that we demand as investors. So that's also true for investing in shares, where the more risk to the future cash flows we think a company may generate, the bigger the margin of safety we should demand as investors.
1: Yeah, that's right, Mark. So historically, investors have taken a really narrow view of risk and focused on traditional business risks and financial risks. So for example, what are the risks that a new product line will be successful or that interest rates or inflation will go up? Sustainable investing takes a wider view of those risks to include environmental, social, and governance factors. The key part of this is that the focus on the ESG risks that are relevant to a particular company and look at how they are addressing these issues.
0: Yeah. So we view sustainable investing as a combination of these two factors. So we look at the absolute level of ESG risk associated with a company and what they've done to manage that risk exposure. And this is why sustainable investing is far more complicated than it's commonly portrayed. We have to start with the total exposure a company faces. Then we look at what part of that risk can be managed and what can't. And then we have to look at what can't be managed. And that is something that's just potentially inherent to the industry and the business that this company operates in. So after we've done all of that, we can look at and assess what the company has done to address the manageable risk.
1: Yeah, so this is definitely complex, but let's use some examples that hopefully bring this home for people. Let's start with a couple of the hot button issues right now across the sustainability universe, starting with the role that corporations play in society. Since the GSC, there's been a growing realization that a complete focus on shareholders and maximizing short-term revenue may not actually be the best for anyone, let alone shareholders over the long term.
0: Yeah. So what you're referring to here is this movement out there for more stakeholder oriented capitalism, which simply means that shareholders are only one group that corporations need to be concerned with. They also need to consider customers, employees, the community where the company operates, and just the overall planet. So Shani, I assume we have some listeners who are wondering what kind of hippie drum circle type of world <laughs> we are describing here. But I'm also sure a lot are nodding their heads in agreement. And some, of course, are just nodding off. So <laughs> let's talk about how this type of narrow focus can impact shareholders.
1: I find everything you say so riveting, Ma.
0: Yeah, your sarcasm is uh, is not apparent at all there.
1: <laughs> I do have my half yearly check in coming up. So <laughs> um, moving on, we don't have to look further than our own backyard to see an example of this with AMP. Perhaps the best thing to do for short-term profits is to charge dead people. Perhaps it's to keep someone employed and then promote them even when you've admitted and settled that they sexually harassed one of your employees. So we've seen a bunch of departures from leadership positions and the board. We've seen lawsuits and we've seen regulatory scrutiny and fines for allowing their advisors to commit morally indefensible acts.
0: Yeah, and I think morally indefensible is what Actually, the judge said during yeah. one of the settlements. So <laughs> that
1: sounds about right. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and of course, how is this working out for shareholders? Well, the answer is not very well. Past five years, AMP stock has fallen close to 80%. So we rate AMP as a company with high controversy, with a high controversy level for business ethics, with their top three material ESG issues being business ethics, product governance, and human capital. So, all we're saying here is that to invest sustainably as investors, we need to take ESG risks into account because they can have a huge impact on returns. BodyStar Premium is designed to help you reach your investing goals. Our coverage spans over 50,000 securities and 2,000 funds and ETFs. Sign up to a four week free trial through the link in the episode notes to access our global equity best ideas for our top picks across borders. Find shares with sustainable, above-average dividend payouts, and the best opportunities at home with five-star Aussie stocks. A Morningstar Premium subscription includes a Shareside Investor Plan, allowing you to track all of your investment holdings in one place. And take advantage of ShareSite's investment performance and tax reporting that has been built specifically for the needs of self-directed investors. If you love premium after your four-week trial and choose to subscribe, your subscription may be tax-deductible if you derive income from the share market. Sign up for a free trial today.
1: Yeah, and I think we need to be quite clear about how this holistic view of risk works. So let's talk a little bit about another big movement, and that is taking into account the impacts of climate change. Taking a holistic view of risk means that we need to take into account both the impacts of climate change and the potential responses to it. So let's take coal, for example.
0: Okay. Coal, which I'm used to getting in my stocking at Christmas. (laughs) Is that an Australian thing?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, okay. So... There are people – I won't say that. <laughs> I, I <was laughs> Where else say do something. you think
1: Santa gets his call, mate?
0: Oh, from Australia. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, so I was consuming Australian products even before I moved here. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So coal companies are faced with lots of climate-related risks. There are pledges by countries and companies to reduce emissions. There are growing global movements of consumers that don't want to use electricity produced by coal – All of these are risks to demand for coal and are making people question if coal miners will survive. So carbon taxes, substitution of coal burning plants or cleaner ways to generate electricity and consumer boycotts are all risks.
1: Yeah, but remember that doesn't mean that coal companies can't be priced cheap enough to account for these risks. So there is the opportunity to take ESG risks into account and be compensated for them as investors.
0: Yeah, and I know that this concept might sound strange to people, and we'll address it later on, but depending on the probability we assign of coal demand dropping off to such a level that it puts individual companies out of business, there would be a potential price that we would invest in coal companies.
1: So we can't have an episode on sustainable investing without talking about its growing popularity. And in the financial services industry, popularity is, of course, measured in flows.
0: Okay, what about my popularity?
1: <laughs> That's... um. Yeah, it depends how close we are to our quarterly reviews. Okay, so
0: you're just admitting that you were sucking up to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's great. What if you compared... Did m- you
1: think it was any anything else? Or? I was hoping
0: you actually liked me, um, but anyway. How would shame. you compare my popularity to Wasabi's?
1: <laughs> Have you won... The, well, what was it called? What dog show?
0: The Westminster Dog Show. The
1: Westminster Dog Show. I did, I've not heard of this before
0: okay, it's a pretty famous dog show. Okay, I and didn't now, know that as, dog shows
1: were famous. As I say
0: that, it seems even more more ridiculous. Okay, um, But anyway, Wasabi got a steak. So that little Pekingese got a steak. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Which I guess Was is Was it nice.
1: well-deserved?
0: Well, Wasabi won the dog show. Okay. okay.
1: Should we get back to this?
0: Yes, okay. probably. Okay. But-
1: but sustainable investing um it is quite popular in australia the asset flows in sustainable funds was 35% a year in 2020 over 2019 and are now topping 25 billion
0: Okay. So that's Australia. What about, what about globally?
1: Yeah. So Australia is definitely a bit of a laggard in this space as total assets just topped the 25 billion mark in 2020. And um, this compares to 1.65 trillion globally in terms of flows. 13% globally occurred in the US for the fourth quarter and 79% was in Europe. So sustainable investing is clearly taking off in Europe and lagging in the rest of the world. In fact, In Europe, inflows in 2020 were five times larger than they were three years ago and double what they were in 2019. So it's really taking off.
0: Yeah. And and I think it's also clear that if those trends in Europe spread globally, then we'll see an even greater focus on this type of investing. So you know, the question is, what does that mean for investors? Well, this is where we come full circle to the myths we went through at the beginning, and the different definitions that people have of what sustainable investing means. Many investors don't have the same expansive definition that we have here at Morningstar. So for many investors, sustainable investing is based on values. And that is where we could see a huge impact.
1: That's right, Mark. So funds, of course, want inflows, and they're going to cater to investor demand. So if people think investing sustainably is negative screening for companies that don't align with their values, then there will be funds that don't invest in coals or weapons manufacturers or any values that appeal to a portion of the population. What this means is that eventually these flows will start impacting the price of certain companies in certain industries. So companies like Microsoft, they've announced that they'll be carbon negative by 2030 and by 2050, they'll have removed all of the carbon the company has emitted since its founding in 1975. They'd be popular with this crowd. But a coal company, no matter how cheap it gets in terms of the inherent risk of global warming, will never get purchased.
0: Yeah, and this is what we need to consider as investors. So one risk we need to consider is... Are we appropriately accounting for the underlying risk to the company? And the other risk we need to consider is the risk that the demand for a particular industry will continue to erode, which will impact the value of companies we hold in our portfolio. So we cited a study at the beginning of this podcast that said investing sustainably has not had a notable negative impact on returns. However, if this scenario plays out, where flows continue to go into negative screening funds, we will actually start to see outperformance.
1: So, the last topic that we need to cover is related, and it's greenwashing. So, let's start with a definition. What is greenwashing, Mark?
0: I, I thought I'm the one that asks you questions on this.
1: <laughs> we switch, Charles. Yeah, remember, yeah.
0: Uh, remember, you said that. A previous podcast was like sitting for the CFA exam. Yeah, I was
1: sweating. You were like really going for it. Yeah, question yeah. Question after question. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was trying, but yeah. all right, I'll play your role for today. Okay. So greenwashing is basically marketing spin that says a product or service is good for the environment. In terms of investing, it is funds and ETFs talking about sustainable investing, but not really incorporating it into their investment process. Basically, they do this because they know that sustainable investing is increasing in popularity and they want to hitch their horse to that wagon.
1: So for those interested in investing in funds and ETFs that are actually sustainable, we can talk a little bit about how we decipher that here at Morningstar. So we have a part of our company called Sustainalytics that provides ESG ratings on companies. We rate each company on over 60 ESG-related criteria. So this is once again looked at the total ESG exposure of the company and then looking at how management is managing that risk.
0: Yeah, that's right, Shani. And so when it comes to an ETF or a fund, we look at all the ESG ratings on the individual companies that are held- And then we roll that up and we take a holistic view at the funder ETF and we give it something called our globe rating. So portfolio holdings that are managing their ESG risk well relative to their peer group are given five globes and then the lowest are given one globe. So that means that we can see if a funder ETF that claims to be investing sustainably is actually doing it.
1: And the last piece of the puzzle is intent, because it is, of course, possible that a fund or ETF could happen to arrive at a portfolio filled with companies that rank highly on our sustainability rankings, but it's by chance.
0: Yeah. And doing something good without intent is, and I know I talk about this a lot, it's basically my squash game <laughs> at this point, right? So every- so we
1: talked a little bit about how I was going to take up a hobby, and I jumped to being a pilot. Yeah,
0: but- <laughs> as you do. <laughs>
1: But Mark's um, jumped to squash.
0: Yeah, yeah. And every once in a while, I hit a good shot, and my coach says, Great shot. But I, of course, wasn't trying to do it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) We're just trying to survive.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So,
1: yeah. So your coach is 80 years old.
0: He he is 80 years old.
1: He's barely mobile, you say.
0: Well, he has some problems getting around.
1: Yeah, and he continues to beat you.
0: Well, he does. He does continue <laughs> to beat me, but he has some advantages. He has more experience. Okay. Uh, but anyway, let's get away from my personal humiliation, and <laughs> we can talk about intent when it comes to sustainable investing. So we also assess managers for intent by reviewing their investment process, and we provide a rating. On that as well. So I think we cover all these bases, right? We mm-hmm. cover what securities are in there, how do we look at them, and then our analysts look at the process that somebody goes through.
1: Yeah, exactly. So why don't we look at a couple of sustainable ETFs and see how we rate them? We can start with the BetaShares Global Sustainability Leaders ETF with the ticker symbol of ETHI. Our analysts give it a bronze rating and it comes in at five globes, which is our highest sustainability rating.
0: Okay. So that is, they're doing what they say they're doing, mm-hmm. right? So then we've got the Van. Vectors International Sustainable ETF that has the ticker symbol ESGI. And in this case, our analysts don't cover this fund or this ETF. We can still look at the globe ratings and see that it also gets five globes.
1: And rounding out our international ETFs is a Vanguard Ethically Conscious International Shares ETF with the ticker VESG. We also don't cover this fund, and in this case, it only receives three out of the five globes, which isn't great, and indicates that we don't believe that the portfolio is living up to the intention of the ETF. So I think the takeaway of this episode is pretty clear. Sustainable investing comes in a lot of different flavors and continues to evolve. The other important takeaway is that whether you like it or not, all investors need to at least consider the ramifications of what is happening in the space because it may have large impacts on investment returns going forward.
0: Okay. So we've done it. We've tackled ESG. Mm-hmm. It's been exhausting, right? <laughs> yeah. Somewhat exhausting. Okay. But thank you guys for listening. So once again, this was a topic that was suggested by a listener. Mm-hmm. So if you have any other topics... Maybe. Send in suggestions. Send in suggestions. My email address is in the show notes. You, you can could...
1: also email Mark if you've started to like our um, episode titles a little more. <laughs> yes, we're doing something. He's the Don Draper of Morningstar. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. That's me. Um, but yeah, any other uh, criticism or <laughs> if you have something nice to say about Shani, send it in. Um, that would be great. We also would love a rating or mm-hmm. um, a comment in your podcast app
1: my half yearly review is solely going to be based on the comments that we get on apple podcasts so. yeah yeah and
0: we are almost at the end of the quarter so or the half year as you mm-hmm. said so yeah please uh please send those in we're going to come up with a contest i think in a couple weeks Yeah, they hopefully induce people to do that anyway thank you guys very much we will uh be back soon with the next episode